Now, here's another thing that you need to think about. When he starts writing these essays, there's a whole bunch of them, he says that he is writing to the reader. So, and he's telling you that he's trying to reveal who he is and how he thinks to the people he knows and his relatives. And what he's trying to do is give you an opening, like if he was opening his mind to show you how he's thinking, that's what he's really trying to do, that he's expressing his own thoughts. He wants to immortalize himself through these literature pieces, that he wants to become kind of famous in a way. And so that's one of the reasons why I think he references those famous writers, that he wants to be just as remembered as they are. And one of the things that he is really trying to do at this end part of his life is that he's hoping, because he knows he's not going to live much longer, that these people, his friends and relatives, are going to keep the memory of him alive and um, continue the sharing of his ideas. All right, here's something else that you need to know about. He adds four quotes in the original language, usually Latin, from Virgil, Horace, a guy named Marshall, and a guy named Lucan. Um, they serve a lot of purposes. And the first thing he's doing is he's using them to support his ideas, to support his thesis or his argument that also that other people have thought about what he's thinking about and writing about at this time. So it gives him some credence and credibility to what he's saying. Um, the other thing that Montaigne is interesting is he's a little bit, um, I don't know if we want to call it stuck up, but he really wants us to know how well read he is and how knowledgeable he is in a way that gives credibility to his thoughts so that we believe what he's saying. So you might want to do a little bit of thinking about who Virgil, Horace, Marshall, and Lucan are because it will give you an idea of how he's using them as credible and admirable sources to support his claims, which is something you're going to need to be able to do whenever you're making your arguments to support them with really quality ideas and show the reader that you are worth listening to. There are some things that you need to know about before you start reading this. First of all, I want you to imagine some things that are going to be referenced in here. First of all, you need to think about analogies and how they help you compare things. I want you to think about whenever you are driving out and you see land that has not, you know it has been farmland, but people purposefully do not plant things in it. That is whenever you let it lie fallow. In other words, it gives the soil a chance to regain the nutrients because if you plant the same crop in it all of the time, it gets used up and it won't allow for new things to be grown in it. So that's going to be a really important image that Montaigne uses to compare what you do with your mind. Another one that 
he uses, and it's related to gender, he thinks that women have to have ideas put into their mind before they start being too imaginative. And you have to remember, too, the time period that was this was done. It was in actually written in French and um, uh, uh, written a long, long time ago when women were supposed to be submissive and that their job was to be mothers and take care of the home. And so it would be a bad thing for a woman to have imaginative ideas at that time period. Another thing to think about, he uses analogy of a runaway horse. And when you think about a runaway horse and you begin to consider analogies, you're supposed to be thinking about the characteristics of that thing. And whenever I think about a runaway horse, usually it's something that's untamed and it wants to run away from things that would make it be tame or gentle or be used by something else. Another thing that happens a lot of times with runaway horses is they get spooked easily, that they run away from things to get away because they're frightened by them and they don't understand them. So that's something that I really want you to think about with analogies. When you think of the mind as laying fallow, When you think of the mind as a woman, making sure that she has things to think about, um, and thinking about the mind as a runaway horse, those characteristics are the things that you're going to use to analyze what Montaigne is saying about the mind and what happens whenever you don't have enough to do or enough to think about. Have you ever heard of the phrase, an idle mind is the devil's playground. And as we think about spending time and relaxing, does anybody ever think about it being dangerous? That's such a weird thought uh, that Montaigne explores in here. It's also very ironic is that um, when he writes these essays, he's retired. I'll begin reading aloud now. As we see some grounds that have long lain idle and untilled, when grown rich and fertile by rest, to abound with and spend their virtue in the product of innumerable sorts of weeds and wild herbs that are unprofitable, and that to make them perform their true office, we are to cultivate and prepare them for such seeds as are proper for our service. And as we see women, that without knowledge of man do sometimes of themselves bring forth inanimate and formless lumps of flesh, but that to cause a natural and perfect generation, they are to be husbanded with another kind of seed. Even so, it is with minds, which if not applied to some certain study that may fix and restrain them, run into a thousand extravagances, eternally roving here and there in the vague expanse of the imagination. And then he writes in Latin, quoting from one of his uh, mentors that he thinks about, as when in brazen vats of water, the trembling beams of light reflected from the sun or from the image of the radiant moon swiftly float over every place around 
and now are darted upon high and strike the ceilings of the utmost roof, in which wild agitation there is no folly nor idle fancy they do not light upon. And again, he writes in Latin to quote, as a sick man's dreams, creating vain phantasmans. The soul that has no established aim loses itself, for, as it is said, he who lives everywhere lives nowhere. When I lately retired to my own house, with a resolution as much as I possibly could to avoid all manner of concern in affairs and to spend in privacy and repose the little remainder of time I had to live, I fancied I could not more oblige my mind than to suffer it at full leisure to entertain and divert itself, which I now hoped it might henceforth do, as being by time become more settled and mature. But I find Leisure ever creates varied thought. That quite contrary, it is like a horse that has broke from its rider, who voluntarily runs into much more violent career than any horseman would put him to, and creates me so many chimeras and fantastic monsters one upon another, without order or design, that the better at leisure to contemplate their strangeness and absurdity, I have begun to commit them to writing, hoping in time to make it ashamed of itself. <laughs>